eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. In-depth conversations. Matchup breakdown. Analysts on every game. Everything a Steelers fan could want. It's fourth down in the Steel City with your host, Adam Crawley and Colin Dudlap. Fourth down in the Steel City, Greg Finley filling in for Adam Crowley and Colin Dunlap, joined by Bella Apple. And Bella, we got a lot to talk about Steelers and Raiders on Christmas Eve. Quite the football game, quite the night of emotions with Franco Harris being honored. But what a game. The Steelers had to have it, and they were able to pull it off. Yeah, definitely. I think it was a ton of emotions, a ton of excitement, and, you know, stayed in the mix. So what else can you hope for for the Steelers? Uh, I couldn't be more uh, impressed with the way the defense turned everything around. The first drive for Vegas probably could have been the worst uh, defensive drive we've seen this year from the Steelers' defense by way of just how many plays it took uh, Vegas to go down the field. They killed so much clock. And then on third down and 16, after a big play by the Steelers' defense, they gained 17 yards on a running back screen. And so I'm thinking, okay, we can't even stop them on third and 17. This is terrible. Like, this is the way this game's going to go. And then Carr hits Renfro for a touchdown on a play that Sutton should have gotten a hand on it. And Vegas went right down the field and scored. And so I'm thinking, is this how this game's really going to go? Like, is Vegas just going to run right through them? But – no, the Steelers' defense got it together, and you got to give credit where credit's due. You know Cam Hayward and TJ Watt rallied the troops and said, okay, that's a bad start to this game, but we're going we're gonna to figure it out. And so they got the car plenty of times with sacks. They got the interceptions that they needed. The defense was huge in this game. I couldn't agree more. I saw that first drive, and I was – I was freaking out. I thought that this game was going to be a long one. You see that third, that running back screen on third and 16, and you think, yeah, we're getting off the field. You're going to, you know, maybe settle for a field goal, maybe not. And especially with the conditions, you never know what's going to happen. It was a windy, snowy night. 
you think that you're going to get off the field. And I could attest as a Steelers fan that watches every game that every time the Steelers run a screen on the third and 16, that does not go anywhere for a first down. But somehow uh, they did it. So perks to them. Then also there was that there was a third and one um, QB sneak. I thought Derek Carr's a bit short. They called him first down, moved the chains. Then on third and six, Sutton should at least make the tackle at the five, six yard line, and it should not go for a touchdown, but it does. So you're pretty, pretty upset watching that first drive, especially as a Steelers fan. You know, they couldn't really get anything going on defense. They get the big sack, then they come back from it, et cetera, et cetera. But then, like you said, Cam Hayward just had a career game for the Steelers and a guy that doesn't get recognition, I think. I think the league has kind of caught up to giving him more per- more recognition than he's gotten in the past. But I think he's honest, he's always slept on, and I think he kind of likes it that way. It gives him that grit, I think, to play with. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, Cam Cam is a team first kind of player, not never about just like his own accolades, but the way that he played in this game and they get the Derek Carr three times and sack him in huge situations where they needed it. Highsmith got him on a big play that forced a punt. They completely shut down the key players of the Vegas Raiders. Josh Jacobs, best running back in the league, 15 carries for 44 yards. If you told Mike Tomlin, your defense is going to hold Josh Jacobs to 44 yards, no touchdowns. Oh, he'll take that seven days out of the week on from his defense. And then Devontae Adams with just two catches for 15 yards on nine targets. Incredible job by this defense. I, I could not have been more impressed. And when they interviewed them in postgame, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick was like, we knew what the game plan was. It was to take away Devontae Adams with the deep ball because we know that that's what they love to do. They burned them with the deep ball. They double teamed Adams. They kept him at bay. It was fantastic. The one guy I was really worried about was Darren Waller. He had that big catch inside the 20-yard line. But the Steelers' defense held them to a field goal, did not let them get a touchdown. It's 10-3 at halftime. I'm feeling pretty good about that. Granted, I wish the Steelers would have put more points on the board because there were times where they were in striking distance and continued to settle for three, or it would be a missed field goal. Boswell couldn't read the wind very well. It was blowing to the left. He kicked the ball to the left and missed it a couple of times. But 10-3 at halftime, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Franco's about to get honored and have his jersey retired. They're going to have the montage for him after he passed. It's going to get these guys fired up. Second half comes and the offense remains flat until the final drive of the game. The offense has been the most struggling thing I've seen for sure. And I've heard a lot of criticism about the defense, but once again, the opportunity comes for the offense to get points and they keep kicking field goals until the final drive of the game. Yeah. I think something that is pretty um, standard across Steelers fans can agree that Matt Canada might be the reason that this offense is pretty stifled. I don't know your personal opinions. I could guess it's not that high of an opinion of Matt Canada. I don't have that high of an opinion of him. I think one of the announcers said this game feels like it's called on a Saturday, although it was a Saturday game. They meant Mm -hmm. that it's called like a college football game. And there's a big difference between playing a college football scheme versus an NFL scheme. And it seems that everyone in the NFL knows that except for Matt Canada. I think the Steelers as an organization will not make mid-season coaching fires, especially such a high position as the offensive coordinator, and especially in a season that, 
technically still hangs in the balance. It's not, you know, a dead in the water situation just yet. So I think that they, as a historic organization, do not make coaching changes, you know, at will, like the way other, a lot of other organizations in the league may. I do not think that we will see Matt Canada come back. I think it's even gotten to the point that announcers are bringing up the criticism of Matt Canada game after game. And I believe that Mike Tomlin's a great coach. He's no idiot. And I think that they're all aware that the offense struggles because of the play calling. They even said that a lot of the play calling on that final drive was Kenny kind of calling the plays in the pocket and obviously executing them as well. But I think it's a bit disappointing to see them on offense, especially because you know how much talent or you see, you get glimpses of it as a Steelers fan watching game in and game out. Even if they're losing, you get glimpses of this talent. You know, George Pickens is making crazy catches every game. Deontay's running backwards and forwards every game and getting first downs, tough third and longs. And then Muth is always in the middle of the field. So I think that there's a lot to like from the Steelers offense as much as there's a lot to hate. <laughs> Yeah, that couldn't agree more with you there. Uh, the most frustrating thing is just every time they get inside the red zone, they have to settle for three, it feels like. And Kenny Pickett talked about that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But, you know, it comes down to the point where they need to get the ball to George Pickens more. This guy that's, is a player. That's one of the biggest notes I have in all caps right now is George Pickens the ball. <laughs> Deontay Johnson continues to be the check down option, the safe option. But – eventually you need to get the ball in the playmaker's hand. And once again, Pickens only had three catches. He had the touchdown that won them the football game, but it took till the fourth quarter to get him that touchdown. It shouldn't take you that long to get this guy, the football. And it's the most frustrating thing. Yeah, it was Christmas Eve, obviously, during the game, the night game. And we're kind of sitting around eating, drinking, talking to friends and watching the game. And my brother looks up and he's like, oh, yeah, another one for Pickens. And I said, no, 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 that's his first target in the middle of the first quarter. Or maybe it was the end. Um, and he was my brother was like, no, 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 no. He had the ball earlier. And I was like, trust me, he did not. So, <laughs> you know, I think it's definitely a point of emphasis. It seems like the Steelers know it's a point of emphasis because when the game is coming down to the wire, it is going in Pickens' direction a lot, which I do love to see. But, you know, like you said, you want to see it early and often and you want to see it all the time. You don't want to see it when you're down and need that desperate touchdown, immaculate reception, if you will. You want to see it start at the game. You want to see it middle of the game. You want to see it finishing the game. Five catches, 57 yards, and a touchdown for Pickens. I thought Najee Harris, now granted he only had 53 yards on the ground, but he added another 42 by way of pass receptions, six catches, 42 yards. Najee ran like a man that was motivated and emotional because he was very close to Franco Harris. And he talked about it in post game about how close they were and how much he respected him. And, you know, it just felt like Najee was going to make every single play he could. And he felt extra motivated because of the conditions of what happened this week. But then you look at the weather situation with it being so cold and Najee only getting, you know, a couple of carries on the first couple of drives. I'm thinking, wait a minute, why are they throwing the ball so much when they should be running the ball? because it's so cold outside that this is the perfect kind of weather where it's smash mouth football, give the ball to Najee, let him run some dudes over and move the chains. They only ran the ball one time on the opening drive when they go three and out as they threw the ball the other two. And so, you know, I, I didn't like that game plan. Again, we talk about Matt Canada. They threw the ball 39 times in this game. Najee ran the ball 16. Jalen Warren ran it six times. I get it. 
you have to throw the ball eventually, but against this Raiders defense, I thought they could have ran the ball more. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that now she's another one of those guys that he's obviously super young, but he's become sort of a veteran presence in this locker room that's filled with young offensive guys. And you see him grinding day in and day out. And he's one of those people that you can just feel from watching, if you watch the interviews, even if just watching him play, that he is out there to play a game and he's out there to win a game. And he is not playing or running to, you know, make excuses or anything like that. Early on in the season when the running game wasn't there, he would never blame his offensive line that probably wasn't that great if we are looking at the real stats of it, but he would never blame them. When Najee took a lot of heat, when Jalen Warren started taking carries from him, he was never upset about it. He's definitely a team first guy, definitely a grind and pound runner. Like you said, you need to have in these winter games. I was a little disappointed to not see him get more carries. I was really happy at the end of the game to see him getting into that pass game because I do think that's almost an underappreciated element of his game is that he is actually a really good receiving back. And like they always say, get your playmakers in open space, let them make plays. Um, so I do think that, you know, as like you said, in a winter game like that, you want to run the ball more, but you know, all's well that ends well. And maybe next time when it's as snowy and cold as it was, they'll, you know, heat our advice and run the ball a little bit more. How cool was that hurdle that he had at the end? <laughs> no, me, I am, I am not a fan of hurdling because of the risk reward opportunity of getting hurt, except for when that hurdle happened. I think that Najee is always trying to jump. I mean, it's kind of a trend at this point, but she's actually quite good at it. So maybe I should, you know, rethink my thinking on it. But every time a guy goes up, I'm like, hold my breath until they hit the ground safely. But that hurdle was amazing. And I think that he definitely gets a lot of reps in it. I see it all the time from him and I'm sure he gets even more in practice. So I was happy to see him go up and get over and, you know, get some more yards. Yeah, he did it a lot in Alabama, but they, they asked him in post game, like, how much does it open up the offense with your pass catching ability? And, you know, it, obviously it opens it up a ton because he can go out and make plays. Now you have another check down option with Najee whenever the receivers are covered. Um, it, that final drive, though, incredible job by Kenny Pickett. I thought that you know, the first three quarters, I get it. The weather was cold. I don't know how many times you can make that excuse, though, in a football game because the Raiders had the lead most of this game, so they were able to do something. They weren't able to do much, but they were able to get a touchdown. The Steelers kicked yeah, kick two field goals. They missed two field goals. We go to the fourth quarter, and, you know, it's still at the point where it's 10-3. They get the field goal. It's 10-6. They get another turnover. They get another turnover, and they can't score from it. And that was the most frustrating thing. How many times did this team get turnovers? Three, and they couldn't get a touchdown from uh, the first two. The last one was on the final drive of the game where they ran out the clock. But Kenny Pickett in that final drive hit Fryermuth a couple of times, which they need to get him the ball more. He's such a playmaker on this team. Seven catches, 66 yards. You got to get him the ball. He needs 10 targets a game at least. He had zero two weeks ago. I'm thankful that they got him the ball more. Even though he dropped that one inside in the end zone on that drive that they had to settle for the field goal, you got to keep going to the guy. And so I'm glad that they did. He made some big catches that extended drives. Kenny on that fourth down and one QB sneak, you knew he was going to get it, but my goodness, was it close. And so, you know, I'm thinking – are we really going to lose on a quarterback sneak getting stuffed? But he got it, extra effort, nicely done by him. And then he finally hits Pickens. Pickens goes with the slant route in the end zone. Kenny finds him perfectly. 
fantastic final drive by Pickett, and he continues to take those steps forward, I thought. I think that there was not a more perfect ending to the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception than a game-winning touchdown in the last minute of play. I know Tomlin said he wouldn't even put it in the same city, not even the same town, not the same city as the Immaculate Reception, which I would agree it had a a touch less drama than that one. (laughs) But I think that there's no better ending. There was We talked about it before the game on Friday. We chatted about how this game was just set up for the Steelers to win with the passing of Franco, with the honoring of the, with the retiring of his jersey, the honoring of the play at halftime this was set up to win and like you said I think that Kenny found his playmakers got them the ball in opportune opportunities that you know they were able to go out and make the plays and I think that as a young quarterback it's hard to understand you don't have to do everything you have to give it to the guys that are paid to do everything and that's the biggest role I think that there was one play that I know I think Kenny has made a lot of strides in his decision making I think he does get better every single game which is all you can ask for your rookie quarterback to do especially missing a couple a little bit of time this season with those concussion issues I think the one play that I was a little upset with him was the third and two that became a fourth and two on um it was about four minutes left it was the drive before um the final drive the Steelers had they got the ball back there's about five minutes left you think they have to score here it's basically over they had to burn a timeout in the third quarter so they didn't have their three timeouts you know to stop the clock against the Raiders and you see Kenny and he just I love his ability to keep his eyes down the field and not just take off and run for it because I think that's a problem that rookie quarterbacks have to learn through. But I also think that there are some opportunities where you can trust your legs. If there's not a spy on you, go out and get that first down. Like the old cliche, live to fight another down. You get that first down, keep the chains moving, and you keep the ball moving. But instead, he tried to flip it to a dump off to Najee. It gets blocked. It almost gets intercepted. It becomes a mess. Luckily, it doesn't. It falls to the ground. No harm, no foul, I guess. They punt it back. They pin them deep. They go three and out. Big play by Cam, obviously. And then they get the ball back and are able to have that final drive. But I think in film, I think even Kenny would agree, you know, the occasions that he is not using his legs, there are a couple that he could. But I think he also does a great job of, you know, keeping his eyes downfield and kind of developed in that way. Because I think earlier on in the season and definitely at Pitt, he definitely relied on his legs a bit more than you maybe want your starting quarterback to do. And you take in a bit more hits than you want him to take so I do love his ability to keep his eyes downfield as pocket collapses and he moves around but I think that there are some situations that he could do a little bit better at you know realizing there's not a guy within five yards I mean I'm gonna get this two yards I'm gonna pick up this first down and I'll throw it to my playmakers on the next drive or the next play yep I agree he was able to be mistake free minus the one interception to Perryman but more often than not when the rush came after him he would throw the ball away. That got a little frustrating when he did it two plays in a row and they had to punt because of it. But, you know, it it gets back to the point of why weren't they running the football more? Why were they relying so much on him throwing the ball? But it worked out in that final drive. They were able to pull out a victory. They scored 13 points, which is exactly what happened in the Immaculate Reception game, which is crazy. And, uh, you know, a come-from-behind win. The defense bailed this offense out so much. I want to talk about that more when we come back. Fourth down in the Steel City. We'll be right back. Hey, it's 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, analysts on every game, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with your hosts, Adam Crawley and Colin Dudlap. Fourth Down in the Steel City. I'm Greg Finley, filling in for Adam Crowley and Colin Dunlap, joined by Bella Apple. We're talking about the Steelers and the Raiders game. Quite the football game. The Steelers able to pull it out and keep their season alive as they have two games remaining. They have been flexed to Sunday night football this week as they take on the Baltimore Ravens. It's going to come down to, though, will the Chargers lose out or will the Dolphins lose out? as it comes down to those two teams, because the Steelers do not own a tiebreaker against Miami as they lost to them. But I think they have two winnable games coming up with the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. want to talk about that, but I also want to talk about this defense because all season long I have seen tweets from people that go, $108 million defense, they can't make stops whenever they need to, they can't do this, they can't do that. What? Where were they this week? <laughs> Silent. I saw no I tweets. Like say, I would like to say also of that million-dollar defense, you did have a big chunk of that on the sidelines for about the eight weeks that they were calling out this million-dollar defense. So exactly. When you have when you have your when you have your multi-million-dollar guy sidelined with, thankfully not for the season, but for a good portion of the season, you can't really call it a million-dollar defense. I mean, some other people get paid, but. Deservedly so, Cam and Mika. But, you know, aside from that, there's not a ton of money on the defensive side of the ball if you remove TJ's contract. So I hate those people more than anyone. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so frustrating to me because in games like the Bengals game, where they would blame the defense for getting 37 points. I My argument is that offense kept giving the ball back to Cincinnati. The defense can't make a stop every single drive. I mean, the, the, especially against Joe Burrow. He's lighting the world on fire right now. But in a game like this, where the offense continued to give the ball back to the Raiders because they couldn't do anything with it, the defense continued to get stop after stop after stop, turnover after turnover. It was fantastic. I mean, it was exactly what... The doctor ordered in this kind of weather game where guys like Cam and TJ and Alex Highsmith get to the quarterback. They get the Derek Carr. They force turnovers. They did everything they had to do to win that game, minus that opening drive. And again, that opening drive was terrible. I, I will say you give up a third and 16 screen to the running back that results in a first down. That's the backup not good. running back. The backup running yeah, back. Yeah, Amir Abdullah. It wasn't even Josh Jacobs. Like you talked about it in the first segment. When the Steelers do that, 
all 11 guys on the defense swarm <laughs> Najee and tackle him for a loss of four. But on the, in this situation, when they get a first down, come on, that can't happen. But I, I can't overstress enough how impressed I was that they held Devontae Adams to two catches for 15 yards. I don't think that's being talked about enough in this media. The, the, he's one of the best receivers in the league. They no, got everything I, they needed to. I also think that um, he had, a, I think, like a 10-yard reception on that first opening drive, and I thought, oh, boy, this will be a long day. He's eating. Everyone else is eating, you know? And you see that opening drive, and we talked about in the first segment, we were worried. Everyone was worried. This, that did not look good. But then, you know, they – picked up their bootstraps or whatever the saying is and they got back to work and the Steelers defense you know they had the turnovers and it might be disappointing that the offense didn't turn that into any points but at the same time the point of a turnover maybe isn't to keep get points on the board but to keep points off the board and I think that was exactly what the turnovers were able to do and you know there's something huge in the intangible momentum that is felt in a football game and it's tangible from through the screen it's definitely tangible in the stadium and you know it's it's that momentum that the defense kept building off of. And, you know, even if the offense wasn't putting up on the other side of the ball, I would actually say that the defense wasn't necessarily stagnant. I think we were – I heard, I read something about they have great movement through the 20s. It's just the red zone that they keep, you know, getting stumped in. That touchdown play to Pickens at the end was the first play from the red zone that the Steelers had all game. So they mm-hmm. kept stalling at like the 20, 30 yard line of the Raiders. And it's super frustrating in a game like that with the wind, the snow, all the elements against you. Chris Boswell, I do have a question here to talk to you about. Is there a problem with Boswell or is it just, can we chalk it up to weather? But you know, he was, he's been three of six since coming back from injury. I love Boz. I'm one of his biggest supporters, even when people, you know, are trying to bury him, but it does beg the question, you know, you leave six points on the board at least by missing two field goals. And, you know, they have to talk about it. They left three points on the board, getting a field goal blocked versus the Ravens. That's the difference maker at the end of it, 16-14. In this game, luckily, it doesn't come back to bite them, but, you know, in the past it does. So it begs the question if there's something wrong there. But at the same time, you know, the defense was able to keep points off the board enough to wait for the offense to catch up. And then, you know, like I say, all is, un- all is well that ends well. So <laughs> The interception after Perryman intercepted Pickett was huge to me. Right after the Raiders get the turnover, you're thinking, okay, if they score here, it's game over. And the Steelers get it right back on the very next play. It's like, okay, we're back. That's huge. And and you bring up Boswell. I'm worried about Boswell. It's not just after the injury, but before the injury, he's been missing kicks that he shouldn't be missing. Guy just got paid. Sometimes that happens whenever you get paid that you don't care as much. I'm not saying he doesn't care as much, but you know, these are situations where, you need to read the wind. He kicked it right to the left of the upright, and it just kept going to the left because the wind Twice. was blowing to the left. Twice, yeah, exactly. Those are the two that he missed. And so if they don't score a touchdown, they still could have won the game by way of the field goals, but he misses two of them. They don't score a touchdown. They don't win that game. Yeah, I think it's a bit disappointing, especially because Boz is so solid most of the time that when you see him miss one, you think that that's it. Like, that has to be it for the game because he doesn't miss often. I mean, this season, as you said, it's been a little up in the air, but he doesn't miss that often. That's why he got paid. And then to see him miss two, it feels so demoralizing when the offense can't get anything done. You're settling for three and to walk away with nothing, it just really puts a dagger in that heart. But, you know, at the other end, the defense, like we said, kept stepping up. 
and I think Cam Hayward has a really great quote. It's definitely a cliche that's thrown around, but he says it, I think, every single post-game con- press conference. He says, we don't control how we get on the field. We can only control how we get off. And I think that that's really epitomized the defense this week. They controlled how they got off the field, and that was often. And, you know, like we said, after that first drive, if you were to, you know, erase the first 10 minutes of that game, they scored, they put up three points after that the entire game. They were shut out the whole, shut out the whole second half. They had three second half turnovers. They had two, one at the end of the third quarter, one in the middle of the third quarter, one at the end, and obviously the game ceiling interception in the last second of the game. So, you know, I think the defense did everything to get off the field. And, you know, it's not unlike Ben's rookie season that they were really relying on a great defense until the offense could get it together. And of course, you know, they had other elements that really played into it. Jerome Bettis, obviously a great running back, historic. And Ben was, you know, nothing to sneeze at either his rookie season. But it was defense heavy. And like we talked about earlier, they didn't run the ball as effectively or maybe enough in our opinion. But it was defense heavy and, you know, defense wins championships. That's what they say. Not the Steelers might win a championship this year, but they're still in the mix. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, when they interviewed Tomlin at the end of the game and they said, you know, you held Jacobs and Devontae Adams pretty well. He said that was the game plan all along. Well, they stuck right to it. I was very impressed not only about what they did to Devontae, but what they did to Jacobs. This is the best running back in the league, lighting the league on fire. He was on my fantasy team, and he was great all season long. Even whenever he was questionable, he would still show up and dominate. But 44 yards rushing, huge. And the Steelers did the same thing to Carolina two weeks ago. I mean, we hear the Steelers' run defense isn't very good, but Carolina, both running backs ran over 100 yards against Detroit this past week. The Steelers held them to like 26 yards rushing two weeks ago. So, you know, it's nothing to sneeze at at all. The defense steps up when they need to. They did exactly what they needed to do in this game. The offense comes together in the final drive of the game, and they keep their season alive. Now, two games remaining. You got Baltimore this week on Sunday Night Football, which has been flexed. Great job by the NFL. Nobody wants to watch the Raiders and Rams on Sunday Night Football. (laughs) So thankful that they did that. Uh, Miami's got to play New England. The Patriots almost came back and beat the Bengals on Christmas Eve. Can New England dig deep and help the Steelers out, beat Miami, and can the Steelers beat the Ravens on Sunday night? The thing about the Patriots is that I'm never going to count Bill Belichick out. I'm never going to count him out of the AFC East, especially. I think that Miami has kind of been a bit of a kryptonite over, you know, the past 25 years for whatever reason, even they when they were quite terrible. Um, mm-hmm. But I yep. think that you can never count Bill Belichick out of these games. And I think nothing would make the Patriots happier, just like nothing would make the Steelers happier to play spoiler to a division rival when they're, you know, pushing to the playoffs. Obviously, the Ravens already clinched that berth, so it's not like you could spoil too much, but, you know, you can keep the playoff games out of Baltimore. You can keep them in the wild card. And, you know, not for nothing, I really think the Steelers deserve to win that game too, a few weeks ago against Baltimore. It was a couple missed opportunities, a couple, you know, an inch or two here or there. And, you know, the game falls Baltimore's way. But that's how this rivalry always goes. That I think I saw a stat last game that they were exactly equal in wins, losses, and points scored. So this even this rivalry, good or bad on either side, the teams show up to play against each other. So just like I won't count the Patriots out against the Dolphins, I will never count out the Steelers against the Ravens. I think they're pretty, you know, 
pretty in line to usually split the season series. And they were, Baltimore got one that maybe they shouldn't have. Maybe Pittsburgh will get one that you think they shouldn't have. So, you know, I'd love to see that. I, I told you before, I am like a hopeless romantic Steelers fan. If there's 10 things that need to happen, I'll watch every single game until I can't check off that list. So mm. this week it was the Chargers need to lose, Miami need to lose, the Jets need to lose, the Patriots need to lose. Check, 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 you know, going down that list. And, you know, until it's over, it's not over. Like I said, crazier things have happened. So I won't count the Steelers out. I think if Lamar can't go, that game is anyone's game so if Lamar can maybe it's a bit more difficult but you know Steelers have beaten Lamar Jackson in the past so it's not like he scares Mike Tomlin and them so I think you know play ball see what happens that's why you play the game right the way this defense has looked the last couple of weeks I I feel pretty good about this game and and you brought it up the game against the Ravens a couple weeks ago if Pickett doesn't uh get injured and Trubisky comes in and throws those turnovers after turnover after turnover. I mean, two times in the red zone where he tried to find Fryer move across the middle and a linebacker was spying and just waiting and baiting him to throw it, and it happened, and they intercepted him. And then the one to Deontay, he just threw a home run ball and hoped that it would stick. Not good. That was a game that they should have won. They probably should have beat the Bengals if they would have scored more, if they would have been able to score in the second half. They should have beat the Jets. That one still stings to me. You cannot lose to Zach Wilson. And again, the defense gets blamed, but if Pickett doesn't throw the interception, they run the clock out. They win that game, no problem, in my opinion. So, yeah, the, the, a couple of things haven't gone their way. A couple of things have gone their way now. Can this Ravens game go their way? And you talked about Miami. The Dolphins own the Patriots pretty well in Miami. This game's in New England. That makes me feel a lot better, and the Dolphins are going downward in a downward spiral, losing to the Packers in a game that they probably shouldn't have lost at home. They are, they're going down bad right now. Yeah, I think with, you know, all things considered, the Steelers are not in, you know, the worst place, and I think a lot of people like to call Tomlin a bad coach. Or I, I honestly don't see it. I think he's a great coach. I think you're not as respected as you are in the league for the past 15, 20 years if you were a bad coach. And I think that there's, you know, higher ups that probably know more than me and more than the average Twitter fan that like understand how Mike Tomlin's a great coach and respect, respected and all those things. Um, and I think that there's a big element to the game that isn't talked about of, you know, having all these young guys on offense losing your best player across the board and your defensive powerhouse and TJ Watt for half the game. And I'll ask the question to you. Do you think TJ Watt could account for one, for one less score on the defense or the offensive side or the defensive side, I guess. Like oh, yeah. if he's in the game, he takes, he could take at least three to seven points off the board, just being there, drawing double coverage and opening up someone else, et cetera, et cetera. They, they, they lost to, except for the Bills, that was a complete train wreck of a game from the from the 96-yard touchdown on third and 10 from their own end zone. Mm, <laughs> aside from <yes>. that, aside <laughs> in that game, the ASD East was all one-possession games, all without T.J. Watt, and all tiny things that happened that ended up making the Steelers, you know, fall on the wrong side of it. And, of course, you know, it's those close games that you lose that make you, you know, difference between a playoff team and a Super Bowl contender. But at the same time, if you think TJ Watt can account for one score in every single game, then the Steelers may win those games. And then if you think that, you know, Pickett or Pickens, sorry, is um, 
you know, or no, Pickett is a playmaker and he accounts for, you know, a couple scores in these games, then maybe they don't lose the first four starts that Mitch has. If Pickett plays the whole game versus the Jets instead of coming in at halftime, does he win the game? There's so many up in the air things. And as much as Steelers don't want to say it, this is a team in transition this year. And I understand why they don't want to say it because they don't have to. But, you know, the media is going to call it what it is. And in a transition year to even go, you know, seven and nine or seven and 10 or eight and nine, nine and eight, whatever, all those things, like that's a pretty impressive feat for a coaching staff that gets a lot of fire, a, a rookie quarterback, which is obviously the most important position in the game. You have all of your studs on offense are no more than two years out besides Deontay Johnson, who's what, three, four years out. Like he's still a baby in the scheme of, of you know, veteranship. So you don't really have your offensive line is, bag of marbles mixed up and thrown out there like right. you don't really have anything maybe to like stand on on the offensive side you have a great defense and I think that people kind of forgot how good this defense could be with all things with everyone in the game and everything considered so I think there's a lot to like about this Steelers season that people aren't really you know giving enough credit to I agree with you. You bring up the games that TJ misses. They beat the Patriots if TJ's playing. They're not giving up all those run plays in that final drive where they just milk out the clock the rest of the way. They wouldn't have been gashed as bad as they were in that game. There's no question about that. They should have beat Miami, too. I didn't even bring that game up. Pickett doesn't throw that interception. They should have beat Miami. That That was... And then they would have had the tiebreaker on the Dolphins if it came down to that. So, yeah, a lot of things have not gone their way. It seems like things are finally starting to go their way. Unfortunately, it might be a little too little, too late situation if the Dolphins win one of the last two games. They've got the Patriots and they've got the Jets. You can't count the Chargers out, but, you know, they have a very favorable schedule. They've got the Colts. They have the easiest schedule remaining. Yeah. They've got <laughs> the Colts on Monday Night Football tonight. And then they've got um, they've got two easy. They've got the Rams next week. That was the game that was going to be um, Sunday Night Football. It was not it yeah. was the Raiders. It was the uh, Rams and the Chargers. Good job by them flexing that out. And they've got Denver. And maybe maybe Russell Wilson can show up for one game this season, but I highly doubt it. Uh, yeah, I want to talk they, about I want to talk about Mike Tomlin. You brought him up about how people are saying is he a bad coach. Nathaniel Hackett just got fired, so let's talk about Mike Tomlin. He's going for another winning season. How can anybody say this guy's a bad coach, especially with the team that he has been dealt this year? So we'll talk about that. It's fourth down in the Steel City. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. on every game. Everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with your hosts, Adam Crawley and Colin Dudlap. 
Fourth down in the Steel City, Greg Finley, Bella Apple, filling in for Colin Dunlap and Adam Crowley. So we talked about Mike Tomlin. You brought up how people say, is Mike Tomlin a bad coach? Well, Nathaniel Hackett just got fired today by the Denver Broncos. They have to be probably the uh, biggest story in football where the expectations were so high and they fell so low to get absolutely blown out on Christmas by the Rams who aren't good. Baker Mayfield torched them. And that defense, which is pretty good defense, was handed Russell Wilson on offense with those weapons that they have, and they're 4-11. And then we have people questioning if Mike Tomlin is a bad coach. No, he's not a bad coach. Nathaniel Hackett's a bad coach and never should have been hired by the Denver Broncos, and it's very proven by what happened this year to them. But uh, I, I cannot I cannot uh, stress enough how good of a coach Mike Tomlin is. They ask these players all the time, you guys were 2-6 and six at the bye week. And now look at your season. How do you keep doing this? It's because of Mike Tomlin. Tomlin never quits. Tomlin never gives up, never throws in the towel. They don't call it a rebuilding season because they don't want to admit whenever the times are down because they're still playing hard. You, you ask Tomlin, hey, you guys are going to lose the last three games to get draft picks? Absolutely not. No way. They want to win every game they can. They're still in the hunt. Tomlin's a great coach. He never loses his team. Yeah, I don't think Baker on the Rams putting 50 against the Broncos, putting up 50 against the Broncos is on anyone's bingo card for this season. So no. <laughs> if you if you if you if you saw that, you should definitely go play the lotto. It's pretty high right now and you have a good chance of winning if you saw that coming. <laughs> but yeah, the conversation about Tomlin to me is just stupid at this point, you know. I was telling you earlier in the season that Ben's elbow just collapsed on him in that game versus Seattle and he was never seen again that season. He started a guy called Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges for the entire season and had a non-losing record. To me, that sealed his fate. Duck Hodges has not seen a snap in the NFL, went quietly into the night, and I think he was like 3-3 three and three that season as a starter. It's crazy to me that people think that Tomlin's a bad coach. My Even my dad is someone who will text me if there's, you know, I, I, I would, the one thing I would say that Tomlin doesn't have great of is um, challenging. His challenging skills is god awful. I think he might be like <laughs> 0 and 8 or like beyond in like the past eight challenges. But at the same time, if, if, he, if he has one thing that he messes up and it's something that doesn't even come up, you know, every game, it's not a big deal to me. I think that, you know, there's been maybe some clock management things I know people get a bit pissed at him for but at the same time you know it doesn't come up every game so it's little things I guess that get on people's nerves about Tomlin but overall you ask like you said you ask players you ask coaches you ask former staff of his people in the media that have been around forever and have met everyone and know everything and everyone says that Tomlin's a good coach so are we gonna listen to these Twitter bots that think that Tomlin's trash because you know the team can't put together a play Matt Canada calls the worst offense in the NFL it's it's not his fault most of the time and even if things are his fault like I said maybe he doesn't challenge the best it's not like he's alone in this there's someone in his ear agreeing that they should challenge it if it was you know a complete you know red flag don't throw it you're done like that's that there's no way that was caught or whatever i'm sure tom was not throwing the flag so you know we like to blame him he's a big figurehead people ask you know halfway through the season when they're two and six headings of eye is tomlin in the hot seat no 
how long a Steelers coach would have to be bad to be in the hot seat. Are you kidding? They've had three coaches. <laughs> you know how long you have to be bad to be in the hot seat in this organization. The Rooneys are such a respected family. They're such a respectable organization. The Steelers, like you said, the reason they're so respected is because they could be the worst of the worst, and they are not quitting. They are playing every game. They'd rather spoil other people's seasons than get a first-round pick, than get a first-overall pick. They are not a team that gives up, and I think that that starts top down. That starts the Rooney mentality. That starts with Mike Tomlin. And, you know, you ask, like you said, you ask these players, how, how do you guys stay in these games? You know, even games that they are out of, they're still fighting hard for. Even games that they're losing, they're fighting to the last second. So I think that that starts with the coach, and that starts with, you know, the, just the team mentality that is built by the front office, built by the head coach, and, if you think Tomlin's a bad coach, you just don't know anything, in my opinion. He has had zero losing seasons. If he would have had one this year because he had a rookie quarterback after Ben called it quits and TJ Watt was out for almost half a season, is that really what we're going to call fireable offense? Come on. Do you know how bad coaches are in the NFL? Do you know how much people lose? They hack it literally went – what is it? Four and ten? Four and four 11. Four and eleven. <laughs> four and eleven. With a $250 million quarterback in Russell Wilson, a Super Bowl champion, a, a stud, and he has turned him into garbage. Yep. I, I don't even know. It, it seems like Russell Wilson is even employable in this league right now. And that's that's not something I ever expected saying in 2022. <laughs> I I think that Mike Tomlin is 10 times more employable than half the coaches in this league. And you don't want to put them in the hot seat because maybe they have, you know, a veteran quarterback or maybe they have, you know, a defense that's showing up a little bit more. But if you are actually in these locker rooms, actually in these meetings, actually in those, you know, in-depth conversations, you'd be like, who is this guy compared to Mike Tomlin? And it's crazy to me, you know, Bill Belichick went seven and nine when Tom Brady left the Patriots. When you lose a 20 year franchise quarterback and you have, even you're even in the in the what's it called in the running to have a non-losing season at week 17. Get off his back. What's he supposed to do? His best <laughs> his best player goes down with a torn pack. His quarterback's arm collapsed the last two years. He can't do anything about that. And you know I and he still made this. the playoffs last year <laughs> with with a half an arm. <laughs> no, and this it's just he gets no appreciation for the things he does. He only gets called you know Mike Tomlin and the Steelers and the media around it is always you're only as good as your last act. And if and if they're not playing well, if they're not up to you know Pittsburgh standard, which it we could all agree, you know, not winning a playoff game in the past eight years, all those things, even with the playoff burst, those aren't the Steelers' way, sure. But at the same time, you know, you're blaming it all on the head coach that everyone unanimously agrees, especially the people that have the most in-depth understanding, the players and the coaches around him think that he is just a phenomenal coach. He is I think he honestly is coach of the year every year. And that's a little biased, but it's not that biased. <laughs> I think that he has not gotten coach of the year recognition, especially in some seasons, like I said, the Mason Rudolph Duck Hodge season, that he should have been coach of the year that season. And I will die on that hill because to go eight and eight or eight, seven and one, whatever they went that season with that offense, that was a godsend. I, I, I there's <laughs> no other way about it. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. Tomlin, <laughs> is if Tomlin were to get let go, he would get about 31 phone every calls. Job. Every job. Every, <laughs> the Steelers would be begging for him back. Are you kidding? Yeah, every team would want that guy. And there there were rumors about, oh, would Mike Tomlin go to LSU a couple of years ago? It's like, no, Tomlin's not going to college football. Like, 
They he wouldn't be able to step foot on campus before an NFL team came and just plucked him up. Right, right. He needs more respect, though. You you bring up – it's frustrating, yes, that they can't win a playoff game. But, I mean, last year I'm not, I'm not counting that. Ben had half an arm, and they had to go up against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Come That's on. That's not fair. That's not fair. <laughs> no, it's not fair at all. And if they, were to win, if they were to make the playoffs this year, they'd have to go back to Arrowhead again and play Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> so, you know, is it cool if they make the playoffs? Of course it is. But, you know, I don't feel too great about their chances if they got to play against Kansas City again. The thing also I think about um, everyone's whole idea of tanking for a pick, yada, 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 tank, 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 lose out, yada, yada. I don't think it makes any sense because when you think about who you're drafting in the first 10 picks, you, you could probably get what the Steelers need in the 10 to 15 range that they're picking right now than what you're going to get in the top 10. And of course, you know, you can get whoever you want in the top 10, basically. That's like mm-hmm. the beauty of it. But at the same time, it's like the, one of the biggest concerns to this team, offensive line, they need a middle linebacker. They probably need a defensive edge. They definitely need a cornerback. You're not going to take a wide receiver in the first round. You're not going to take a quarterback. You're not going to take a running back. So you're not going to take right. a tight end. Like you're, there's a lot of positions that, you know, there's a lot of positions they need to fill, sure, but there's a lot of positions they don't need to fill too. So, and there's a lot of young guys that haven't maybe been given their, you know, full chance. I think that's that's probably a bigger thing than like another hill I would die on is that in the NFL today we love like just signing people's fate super early. You know, Pickett had like a not great start to his career in his first NFL playing time. He didn't even get to you know play with the ones in training camp, yada yada, etc. Through to four weeks in, he gets thrown in halfway through, and everyone's like small hands look at this guy can't play and you know you, you sign him all you write him off as what he is and you don't even you don't even know what this guy is you look at you know josh allen's rookie season you look at you know Mahomes sat out but still you look at him he got to back up a veteran and alex smith and develop under him you know in the privacy of practice without all these mistakes being put on national television in prime time and you got, the NFL just loves to write people off. You know, Justin Fields sucked two years ago. He was the worst. What, what did the Bears do, you know? Mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts, uh, we don't know what he is. A few years back, you know, when they pick him, everyone's kind of up in arms about, oh, you're picking this guy. Why, why? And it's crazy. And then, you know, Mac Jones, his first season was like the second coming. Zach Wilson was like, you know, the second coming. But he came out, even this season, after missing four games, he comes out and beats a depleted Steelers team. And everyone's clap, clap, clap. I live in New York. I'm a Steelers fan in New York. You don't think I've heard it from every way about Zach Wilson? No, he's the next Brady and yada, yada, yada. Look at him now. It's just he stinks. The, the way people just write off people in this league so quickly, it's like, give the guy a chance. He, he only played in the league for even a month and six weeks a season. That's nothing. If you look at the longevity of people's careers, especially at the quarterback position, give him a chance. Give him a minute to breathe. So I don't know. I think we sign off. We sign off on people too soon, and then you know, it, it, it's in the past five years, even you see it come back and bite people in the ass. So <laughs> I think that. Everything with the draft, the Steelers will never tank for a pick. They could go 0 and 16 and need to be 0 and 17 to get the first overall pick, and they'll still fight the Ravens in that last week. They do not care. Yeah, I mean, it, you have a rookie quarterback that is trying to develop. They're not going to tank. You need to let him continue to play meaningful games, and it, it's great that they're still in the hunt because what a great opportunity now for Kenny Pickett to go into Baltimore, win a football game 
keep your playoff hopes alive. I mean, this is a great scenario. If the Dolphins were to beat the Patriots, it's not like they're going to throw in the towel and go, okay, let's put Trubisky in. No, they want to see Kenny Pickett develop. And, you know, I think that Pickett got kind of screwed at the beginning of the year. They went with Trubisky. You brought it up. He didn't get many reps with the first team. When he did in the preseason, he looked pretty good, but they didn't. it wasn't even with first team. It was with second team or third team. Then they finally bring him in and let him be the starter, and he's got to go play Buffalo and Philadelphia, who are the top two teams in the league right now. I mean, he was thrown into the fire. And so then after the bye week, they're two and six, and everyone's writing this guy off. Now look at them. They're playing teams that, hey, they can actually beat these guys because they're not playing the Bills and the Eagles, and Pickett's not getting killed by the you know, by these mistakes, because he's learning and developing, he made a couple of bad turnovers. Now he's learning from them. Now he's throwing the ball away. Now he's getting rid of the football and not throwing in a double coverage. He's learning, he's developing. And that's what we've wanted to see this season. It wasn't, oh, this team's going to the Super Bowl. No, let's see what Kenny Pickett can do. Let's see this kid develop. And I'm seeing it time and time again. Uh, you know, they didn't do great through the first three quarters, but that final drive that he had that won them the football game couldn't have been better. And he made plays by himself with the quarterback sneak, with the throws, with the decision making. That's what I want to see. I'm happy that I saw it. A huge thing with rookie quarterbacks is learning to take what the defense gave you. And it looked like in the first three quarters of that game versus the Raiders, that's not what the Steelers were doing. They were trying to run their offense, whatever that is, and Matt Canada calling it. They were trying to run that offense without any consideration to what, you know, was actually available. And then in that last drive, you saw the check down Sinaji. You saw them using the middle of the field with Muth. You saw, you saw all these things that are just very encouraging. And something else I want to bring up that I think is underappreciated is the development of this offensive line. Kenny Pickett did not hit the ground once this this game. He was in zero sacks. You know, he was pushed out of the pocket a couple of times, but, you know, that's when some of the best plays happen, too, when you're moving around back there. I think that this offensive line has really developed, and you could see it in the run game, too, and the – ability the rush the team had 100 plus rushing yards you know not all with one guy but running back by committee it's worked for other teams it's a work for the Steelers Jalen Warren is a great undrafted signing by the Steelers he's proving to be maybe one of the best signings from this offseason and you know he this offensive line has really developed and another it's another thing that you know people write off an offensive line that's never played a snap together and you know barely even in preseason I don't even know if they had a drive together because of injuries and moving parts and all those things and people like to write them off going into the bye you know week eight nine they're saying oh these Steelers Kenny Pickett can't stay off the ground they can't run the ball for anything yada yada and then you know you give these offensive linemen who are all pretty much really young as well some time to develop gel together and you know they always say that offensive lines are the most cohesive group and they need the most time together they need the reps in game to really you know figure it out and I feel like yesterday as much as the run game didn't didn't work I would say it wasn't used enough. I don't know if it didn't work. It was. It didn't really get its fair, you know, touches. And Kenny Pickett sat in a relatively clean pocket all day. And, you know, seeing the juxtaposition of Derek Carr, who has, you know, all this hype around him and just being chased, like, what's it called? The mount, uh, something, a chicken with his head cut off? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a chicken with his head cut off back there. And we had the entire line getting after him. We had safety blitzes, you know, untouched getting after Derek Carr. And he looked 
awful compared with you know with no run game and no time which every quarterback looks awful with no run game and no time and the Steelers defense is able to make them one-dimensional and I think the Steelers offense especially that offensive line was able to keep them two-dimensional even when they weren't using the run game as effectively as they may maybe could have uh you bring up the offensive line Dotson still needs to go Dan Moore still needs to go but other than that I'm okay with the offensive line replace those two with uh either a free agent or first round pick uh Kenny Pickett too many times has almost gotten his head taken off because Dotson or Dan Moore got beat and they got to play Baltimore who took Kenny Pickett's head off last time so I'm I'm gonna need better protection in this week uh this Sunday night football game because I don't need Trubisky facing the Ravens again. I, I don't. No, that that Kenny Pickett concussion versus the Ravens was just awful. You're gonna take and you're gonna take the penalty as well as get your quarterback out for the game. Oh, it was crazy and how did they awful. not call roughing the passer? I've seen way worse, like way less on Tom Brady just getting tackled. And Tom Kenny Brady Pickett gets body slammed, and they're not going to call a penalty. In the roughing the passer conversation, Brady could be upright and untouched, and they'd call roughing the passer for him. So, but even you know, I think I would say that there's like a lot of times that I think you know T.J. Watt is held, or maybe Kenny, or even Mitch, or even Ben back in you know last year and beyond, where you know took some shots and it was not called. I think. There's a little bit to the Steelers' um, reputation of being so, like, tough and tumble that maybe they get, like, a few less calls than they maybe deserve. I don't know. It does seem like every other team kind of gets those breaks, and the Steelers never do. I agree. I agree. Okay, before we wrap up, prediction for Sunday Night Football, and will the Dolphins lose to the Patriots? I think the game in New England, the Dolphins do lose to the Patriots. I think that the Steelers squeak one out with Boswell's game-winning kick. Ooh. I would say I think it's going to be one of, another one of those games. You know, nineteen sixteen. There's a lot of field goals. A lot. Uh, the defense does everything, but the Steelers' offense does just a little bit more. Totally a biased take, but you know, it's like manifesting. You have to speak it into the universe for it to happen. So I, I do think that the Steelers, especially without Lamar, have a good chance of winning this game. I'm not sure how good of a chance the Patriots have, but. I do know Belichick would love to play spoiler to the Miami Dolphins one more time. So that's my pick. That's what I'll take. And uh, I'll ride into the sunset with this hopeless romantic idea of making the playoffs. I I think the Patriots might actually beat the Dolphins. Miami has just gone downhill for a while now. Tua made some bad throws against Green Bay. Those interceptions were inexcusable. You want to talk about a quarterback that looked rattled. He just kept throwing the ball to Green Bay in that fourth quarter and in chances that they could have won the game. They were talking about um, the interceptions after the game because um, they were talking about, you know, like winning the game, whatever, with the Packers in the media room. And they were saying, you know, it was a crazy, you know, the interceptions. And I forget who it was. One of their safeties was like, I can't even believe the ball just came to me. <laughs> he literally said. J- Jair Alexander. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, literally, he literally said, he's like, I can't even believe the ball came to me like that. Like, he was like, I didn't even expect the ball. Like, is it? I think it's also similar to, you know, I think too, it was just not reading the, reading the defense well. He definitely looked like a scared man back there. You know, he, he was definitely seeing ghosts. And um, you could really tell that there's something very unreadable about Tua. It's like he does, it's, it's almost like he doesn't have that clutch gene in him. But, you know, again, I don't want to be that person that's writing off someone way too early, but it just, it feels like, especially this season, they've had a lot of chances to, you know, get up even, you know, they were close to the Bills at one point because the Bills have not had 
as amazing as the season as they probably should have with their talent and just you know capabilities his elbow and yeah yeah they just have not they have not you know ran away as they should have as the eagles have and they're in the afc in the nfc east and the afc east it's kind of been before Miami had this weird collapse, <laughs> like it's it's kind of was a one two, a one and two fight throughout, and then Miami has just gone peaking down, and the Bills have gone peaking up, and it's kind of it's just crazy the way things shake out. And like I said, so I play the game on Sunday, so you never know what could happen if Miami loses again. Then I, if it's up to Week 18. The Steelers play the Browns at home. Browns are out of it. If there's something on the line, if there's a shred of hope on the line, I'd be shocked if the Steelers don't win out. Can the Jets help us out though? You're if you're in New York, can they beat the Dolphins in Week 18? The thing is, the thing is, in those divisional games, anyone can win, mm-hmm. and anyone can win. And you know what? It, if it does come down to it, like I said, there's nothing better than playing spoiler in a division rivalry even if you're down and out and have nothing to play for like the browns will i bet the browns would love to be the people to eliminate the steelers they would love it so there's nothing about a divisional matchup that means anything if that makes sense like i think they always a cliche they always use especially with steelers ravens is throw the records away play ball that's what every divisional matchup should be in the nfl and like i do think that you know maybe the jets don't have it but do they have enough to beat a really struggling miami team and you, you know you know again you never know think crazier crazier things have happened than the jets <laughs> helping the steelers so i think if there's a defense that can continue to keep Tua rattled it's the patriots so that's another reason why i like new england they can run the ball effectively with stevenson mac jones won't have to make too many plays because they have a run heavy offense where they can keep Tua, tyreek hill on the sideline jalen waddle they can avoid the explosive plays and i think new england can win that game and then the steelers and the ravens like you said they usually split the Ravens got one in Pittsburgh. Steelers now need to go to Baltimore and get a win. I hope they come motivated. I hope the Ravens don't wear their all-black uniforms because they always play better in those, especially in prime time. So hopefully they stick with the purple. But if they go with the all-black, I'll be a little more worried. And it will depend on Lamar. If Lamar plays, uh, you know, who knows what he looks like, though. But J.K. Dobbins, that's what worries me a lot, too. He ran all over the Steelers. They have to be able to contain him. They were able to contain Josh Jacobs. Why wouldn't they be able to contain uh, Dobbins? But uh, that's going to do it for us. We appreciate you filling in, Bella. Thank you so much. Yeah, anytime. And uh, the guys will be back. They're off because of Christmas. Steelers and Ravens, Sunday night football. We'll talk about it Friday here on Fourth Down in the Steel City. Hi, guys. <laughs>